0: KPFA Local Station
1: Board candidate, Ted Friedman. Hello, I'm Ted Friedman, Secretary of the KPFA Local Station Board. We almost lost KPFA a few years ago, and that near disaster convinced me to do whatever I could to make sure it won't happen again. A democratically elected board offers our best insurance against future takeovers. As Secretary, I worked hard to turn the board into an effective governing body so that we can make KPFA stronger increase our audience, and encourage listener communication and participation. I've done my best to build trust and understanding among the board members and between the board and station management and staff. I hope that you will re-elect me, Ted Friedman, to the KPFA Local Station Board.
0: KPFA Local Station Board candidate Richard Phelps.
1: My name is Richard Phelps. I'm a candidate for the Local Station Board. On September 29th, I learned that the national election supervisor had decided not to send the candidate statements out with the ballots. Voters without web access would have to go somewhere to see them. This would result in severe damage to the inclusive democracy we are trying to build. I got on my phone and computer, contacted local station and Pacifica board members and many listeners, and I got the issue mentioned in Guns and Butter that day. Many others joined in throughout Pacifica, and the candidate statements will be mailed. This is the type of energy and action you can expect from me and others that support the 10 points found at peoplesradio.net. For inclusive democracy, vote for Richard Phelps.
0: KPFA local station board candidate, Gerald Sanders. Hi, I'm
1: Gerald Sanders. I am currently serving on local station board and Pacifica's national board. While campaigning for a seat on the LSB last year, I called for Pacifica to reach out to underrepresented communities, When I was elected, I joined the Outreach Committee and participated in its planning and activities. Elected by the Pacifica National Board, I participated in recent negotiations to bring free speech radio back into Pacifica. Please visit www.peoplesradio.net for more information.
0: You are listening to KPFA and KPFB in Berkeley and KFCF in Fresno. Stay tuned for Stone Straw with Jennifer Stone.
1: Happy ending. Nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money. Every Friday, happy
0: endings are the rule, so divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys, there's your picture. Out
1: of
0: this is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Yes, I just love Bertolt Brecht. I just need Brecht these days. A little whiff of Weimar. Yes. Uh, echoes of history everywhere we look. Today I have an historian and a. ...a uh, a writer about film. He does film study. I don't call it film criticism. And before I introduce him, I have one quick announcement, people. I need to tell everyone that the KPFA Crafts and Music Fair, our 34th annual... ...will be Saturday and Sunday, December 11 and 12, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. I will be there. I have four titles this year... Uh, a rerun of Mind Over Media, my movie book. We're talking movies today. Uh, we're at the Concourse Exhibition Center, 8th and Brannon Streets in San Francisco. You will hear more advertisements over the next few days about how to get there. And, you know, there's a shuttle from BART. This is a big deal. It goes on all day and there's much, uh, much partying, much, uh, let's see, public information number is 510. 510- 848-6767, extension 611. That's just calling KPFA folks. And extension 611 will give you the details. Or you can, uh, get us on the net www.kpfa.org. We will all be there in, uh, funny hats. Something to that effect. I'm going to wear, um, feathers, I think, this year. This year, I think, yes, hope is the thing with feathers. That's what I'll wear. Okay. I have got a Bay Area writer his name is James Clark and he wrote this fascinating book Let's see James you you live here in the Bay Area now you were in India in you said the late 60s and into the 70s and now you're the ferryman <laughs> Where are you where do you ferry people across the river like Charon oh. Charon is it Charon oh. yes C-H-A-R-O-N, the guy who takes us across the river at the end.
1: Oh, I work for Golden Gate Ferry. I'm a deckhand there right now.
0: Oh, fantastic. That is is an extremely holistic occupation mm-hmm. his book is called the spirit of revolt and the quest for freedom in the cinema of the 1960s and it knocked my socks off because i too felt that the movies like everything else changed in the 60s why did you pick you picked five films well one tv series and four films is that right mm-hmm. and you use these as your catalyst for, what would we call it, uh, a transformation, transfiguration?
1: Yes, it, catching probably really what I think the essence of the 60s was really all about. I think the deepest part of the 1960s. Now, these five films are all united in, I think, the basic theme that ran throughout the 60s, the struggle of the individual versus society. And this struggle represented itself in very different ways from the early 60s with first films 1962 through the end of the 60s by 1969 so each one of the films was very much um a representative sort of of the zeitgeist or the spirit of the age
0: Mm -hmm. zeitgeist watch right (laughs) yes and 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 i
1: think they they reflected very well exactly what was going on in, in in the deepest sense of what, what, you know, the struggle of consciousness at the time.
0: The evolution things. The first one is 62, The Loneliness of the Long-Distance Runner. Then you pick Juliet of the Spirits in 1965. The television series... The Prisoner in 1967, (laughs) my younger son is always saying, the village, the village, the village, and going back in the village. We all live in the village, yeah. Right. 1968, 2001, A Space Odyssey. I had junior high school students who loved that movie. They would always say their favorite line was, yo, mama is a monolith. Yeah. And the thing is, they thought that the child at the end was the Christ child, but I'll ask you about that in a uh. minute, you know. It's, it's uh, tricky. Mm. And if, then, of course, the last one is Easy Rider in 1969, and um, your conclusion is fascinating. You use Moby Dick, you use Wagner's The Ring, all these what I would call, what do we call them cultural myths? There are these mega myths that... Just keep transmuting. That's the word I wanted. These myths keep evolving and hopefully becoming more creative. Shall we go through the movies one at a time? Mm-hmm. You know, because as you say, each one gets us just so far and then turn, turns. Yes.
1: Yes, the first one, Lowness and Long Distance Runner, is a, is one of the films that I actually never saw during the 60s. I, I saw it later on. Uh-huh. But, um when I saw it I thought, oh my God, what a perfect representation of the early sixties, nineteen sixty two, before the sort of the psychedelic revolution began and before everything that we consider the sixties to be really began to spring forth. Um the loneliness of the long distance runner is really about it's really about the existentialist philosophy of the fifties. And it really sums everything up, you know, the the literature of Albert Camus and the the Mm -hmm. literature of of Man in Revolt. It certainly Um,
0: irritated my mother-in-law.
1: Oh, boy. (laughs) And The Outsider by Colin Wilson. Mm -hmm. Um, These kind Mm -hmm. of books. And what he is, is uh, Colin Smith, in a sense, he revolts against the, the established order, but the, the one thing that he lacks is that he doesn't have a spiritual dimension. So, as a, so in that respect, he represents basically everything. He knows what he's against, but he doesn't know what he's fighting for, although he knows there's something seriously wrong. Gotcha. And he can't doesn't quite have the answer he doesn't know what it is but he knows there's something wrong
0: he knows enough to resist but he can't transcend
1: exactly yeah and he faces and it, you know basically the film it looks forward and it looks backward because he's sort of like the quintessential existentialist hero in a way that you get from the uh-huh. you know the the you know the 50s figures like marlon brando and the wild ones mm-hmm. and james dean and Rebel Without the cause
0: Yeah, my book was nausea Sartre's oh, f- nausea, nausea. Yeah. absolutely.
1: Yeah. And the very thing that you know makes makes uh, Colin Smith sick in the Lowest Longest Runner Runners, the same thing that makes mm-hmm. uh, Jean Part- Jean-Paul mm-hmm. Sartre sick in the Nausea, mm-hmm. absolutely. And so that film really, in a way, foreshadows everything to come in the '60s without knowing it, yeah. without knowing yeah. it, which the is the angry young man, which is really the magic of the film yeah. because it brings forth all those things about. You know the 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 death of uh, the you know the the death of money that the hippies brought in Hayd mm-hmm. Ashbury, um, the revolt against the, the machine. You know mm-hmm. that Mario Savio talks about how right. the machine you know pulls you in and spits throw you out, the body and chews on you up the wheels, and it doesn't yeah. exactly, Throw yourself on the wheels and the gears and stop the machine mm-hmm. from running. Mm-hmm. And basically, that's the machine that that Colin Smith is really revolting against.
0: The difficulty is, of course, you know, and we all s- still say today, you know, so what have you got to offer? You know, what have you got to offer in its stead? You uh, know, what do you, you know, materialism at least feeds people. You, you know the arguments. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. Obviously, it's like growing up. You know enough, you know that your parents are giving you a headache, but you don't know what to do, what, mm-hmm. where to go, how to develop. Now, the difficulty here, uh, you uh you go when, Juliet of the Spirits means... So many different things to so many different people. Uh, I, I never wanted to call it a feminist film because that word has been just, it's too confusing for mm-hmm. people. You know, the notion that she should just uh, get rid of her husband and go have a happy life. It isn't that simple a, a movie. Uh, uh, you say that basically, well, let's talk about conscious and unconscious. Fellini, Fellini is a hard nut to crack. I always loved him and i loved his wife and her work too you know she mm-hmm. plays juliet in juliet of the spirits and i always confuse their life story a little bit with what happened in that movie but i think he seems to understand um uh, what would you call it um uh her her, her masochism, her, her pain. Uh yes,
1: her that's herself tied to the great in the movie, exactly. Mm, the martyr on the... Right, the martyr on the great.
0: Yeah, she's burning it in a little school mm-hmm. play, <laughs> you yeah, know.
1: That, yeah, mm. the school play is really the key of the movie. Mm. Um, yeah, Julia of the Spirits is a... Is a uh, Absolutely fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. I saw that in the sixties. I remember Changed seeing my life. I, I yeah. saw that movie at the Lark Theater in Larkspur and I went mm-hmm. and I saw that movie five times <laughs> before I could really make any you know mm-hmm. Heidner sense out of it mm-hmm. but uh, that movie I thought was especially intriguing and especially as in, in the later part as I went on and went overseas and went through my own changes, that film became even more uh truthful in 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 the what what it represented um As far as, um, it's the perfect um, sort of complement to The Loneliness, The Long The Mm Runner, because stylistically they're they're almost exactly the same, the way Mm that the the protagonist is introduced into a conflict, and this conflict grows and grows and grows throughout the movie until there's a huge catharsis at Mm -hmm. the end, and each one comes to their own. Realization, which yes, changes them.
0: They what is the uh, individuate? That's the,
1: the individuation. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: individuation. Old Carl Jung here. Yes. Uh, Fellini himself. You quote Fellini uh, in an interview. He says the intention of the film is to restore to the woman her true independence, her indisputable and inalienable dignity. A free man, I mean, cannot do without a free woman. The wife must not be the Madonna, not an instrument of pleasure, and least of all a servant, um, uh, the discovery of individuality. I, as I say, I always think that Julietta um, uh, Messina, the actress and Fellini's wife, you know, was always totally, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say subservient, but, you know, she mm-hmm. she died within a few months of Fellini's death. Um, and I read once, uh, oh, it was a, an account by Liv Ullman, you know, which described her as... I'll just call it a child wife, you know, in uh-huh. Fellini's presence. But yeah. you know, that was their personal man woman thing. Obviously, whether he used that or not, I I do not know. The the film is something else, and obviously, um, uh, it did not maybe have the effect on her that it had on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe she did go on just being, oh, yes. uh, you know. But there weren't a lot of people, yes. right? It's interesting the you know the difficulty with that when people. You know, remember in the old days, we used to have these long um, conferences. We'd go to the movies and then go out and talk about them for hours. That was the old days. Oh, I certainly did that about that movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I was a little upset. The, You know, the the free grandfather who runs away with the... Um, uh, the, uh, the
1: bareback rider. Yeah, let,
0: yeah let's, let's call her sensuality or, you know, uh-huh. the, the sexy one. That was, uh, it was a little hard for a lot of people to interpret, you know. Mm-hmm. Symbols and images are, you know, it's, what's the word? Uh, we need to be literate in images. And, uh, you know, it's like when people sit down and tell their dreams to each other. And I give you my interpretation and you give me <laughs> yours. Yes. And, you know, uh. what What was it? I used to say, if women could worship in men's temples and men worship in women's temples, but... It's tricky, you Mm -hmm. know, because it kind of, what is it, it gets boring if it's too much one or the other. Oh, Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody that I know just... Too many people dismiss Juliet of the Spirits as a woman's picture.
1: Oh, but it's much more than that, I yeah. think. Definitely, it goes way deeper than that. Oh, sure. But Juliet of the Spirits is, is it, of course, it's, it's a, basically the archetypal story of a person's coming to their own sense of individuation, Carl Jung's whole, basically his whole psychological philosophy. And it begins with uh, Juliet is a little bit longer on the road of life than Colin Smith is in The Loneless Longest Runner, but she comes to a realization, like Colin Smith does, that there's something seriously wrong. Something is wrong, because her marriage is failing. She discovers her husband's cheating on her, and so what happens is she says, why? Why? What have I done wrong? I've been mm-hmm. the perfect woman. I've self-sacrificed myself. I've done everything for him. There's something missing, and what is it? And so the whole course of the film is her quest to find out what is wrong with herself. And she discovers this. She finds it out. And at the end of the film... Of course, like Colin Smith, everything comes together in one great big, uh, really terrifying series of uh, experiences that culminate in her freeing herself from that grate of self-sacrifice that she's been tied to ever since she's been a little child.
0: Yeah, conventional religion. I uh, was reading of all people, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. She said that no adult terror ever matched what she went through as a child. She's, you know, this dark figures in every corner of her bedroom. Oh yes. Oh. You know, now Fellini really has that beast on his back. Yeah, he that captures Catholic, it, it really
1: well. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. And he tries to make fun of it, which mm-hmm. I, I sort of appreciate. But mostly, I mean, things... Do you remember the movie in which he had the Pope's fashion show? <laughs> was, oh, uh, yeah, yes, I, I do. I, you what know, was that one? Uh, you know, Roma? No. Right, Roma. Yeah, yeah Roma. Roma right. It's like, you know, so gay, man. <laughs> oh, this <laughs> is just, you know, these costumes. And then finally the nuns with their wings and everything. Oh, but, yeah. no, it is, you know, it's fun and it's mm-hmm. theatrical, but... I always think of his films. I think when I watched Fellini, I thought, yes, movies are kind of left-wing theology. Mm. You know, if you go to religions or art, yes. you know, to find yourself and to try to figure out how you got to be the way you are. You oh, know? yeah. It, it's beats therapy. Yeah. Which is reductive. This yes. way, you know, you can say, oh, okay, you know, this is part of me and part of my imagination. Uh, I found Fellini... A little gauche. You <laughs> so, know, his, what is it? Um, you know, the balloon breasts, they, you know, they look like they're going to take off and go around the world, but yeah. I won't get into that because we're
1: I'll, I'll tell you one thing real quick, though, about Julia the Spirits, about her religious um, upbringing. Now, the conflict, the real paradox of the film is that for her to find her spiritual being, she has to throw off and rebel against and free herself from her religious upbringing. So it's at once anti religious and pro spiritual. Mm-hmm. It's trying to show that someone who is raised like Juliet to be, she's taught to be totally self sacrificial mm-hmm. and to never, ever think of herself. And mm-hmm. by adopting that kind of philosophy, that attitude, she's become seriously repressed mm-hmm. and inhibited. Mm-hmm. And by becoming that, she really is, she doesn't have her own femininity, which of course is what Sandra Milo represents in the Mm -hmm. film, the bareback rider, the companion of her grandfather, who's basically her spiritual guide. Um,
0: It's so difficult to know when I hear people say that they, you know, they want to, not indoctrinate their children, but give them, as we used to say, we've got to give them something to reject later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's exactly it. Exactly. No, there there is a word, I I think you can give a child all kinds of of, oh, what is it? Dreams, poetry, ideas. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have to have a an absolutist belief in anything.
1: No, I think it's I think it's dangerous to to to. Young children, you know, to have a. I, I was. I'm very grateful to my family because I never had a great religious upbringing, and no, I'm n- thankful
0: for that. All right, no.
1: Because I didn't have any, you know, uh, ingrained uh, problems or fixed attitudes or um, things that I had to get a, get rid of before I could really, right. you know, go on to find. Oh yeah, you I know, put my together wife. my
0: own pagan religion. Actually, I based a lot of it on the movies. I'll give you my essay oh, on yeah. that. You know, oh, uh, great. the great goddesses could be found in Hollywood movies. Kids, no, we've got to. We're going to be so behind you We got to jump to the. Uh, Prisoner, oh, yeah. Because you say by 1967, LSD had gotten around. And talk about a breakthrough in consciousness.
1: Oh, yes. Well, Fellini, he took LSD before he made Juliet of the Spirits. The big difference between Eight and a Half, which he made in 1962 and 1965, you can see um, his complete transformation. And, of course, being uh, the way that the, the film, especially Juliet of the Spirits, real quick before we go to the Prisoner, uh, shows both the internal and the external and how w- they begin to merge at the end of the film. And you find out that everything external has an internal psychological component. Mm-hmm. And that is what has to change. For you to really um, change yourself. The external thing is not so important as it is the psychological component that it creates within you. And that's the secret of Juliet of the Spirits.
0: That's what she, she overcomes in the end. She's got it. She, I think she's got it. Yes. It's yes. a kind of freedom. I uh, People, this is Jennifer Stone. I'm talking to James Clark. And he has this fantastic book called The Spirit of Revolt uh and the quest for freedom in the cinema of the nineteen sixties. And we're trying to find God at the movies. I use God, of course, in the major metaphorical sense as Gandhi used to say, God has no religion. <laughs> 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 that covers or and actually Gandhi he said the truth is God. Mm-hmm. That isn't bad. I would say the dream maybe, but no. God is one of those interesting words. We could spend the rest of the show defining it. Anyway, we get now to the T V series The Prisoner Which uh, a lot of us were hooked on. Uh, In your book, you write, James, the prisoner raises all the great issues inherent in our modern culture. Mm -hmm. Infinite progress without a goal, the concept of freedom and what freedom really means, the dehumanization of modern man and woman in our age of technology, Mm -hmm. their reduction to numbers, so forth, the abuse of powers, rise of the state as the sole arbiter of truth and the control of society and the individual by Big Brother. I always like to say, Mm -hmm. Big Brother doesn't have to watch us anymore because we're watching him. (laughs) Every living room you go by, there's this blue glow, and Mm -hmm. everybody's watching Big Brother in a TV trance.
1: Oh, The Prisoner's a wonderful film. Yeah, Patrick McGowan put that together when he was doing the Secret Agent series. And I think, really, uh, the beginning is... The idea of freedom, if he is a secret agent who knows a lot of secrets, does he have the freedom to quit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it really a free society that he works in? you mm-hmm. see? So what he does in the film is he resigns. And I think uh, the concept of resignation, of course, is the same concept of dropping out that was the big, you know the counterculture uh, Timothy
0: Leary: yes. Yeah,
1: Timothy Leary philosophy in the '60s. And do you really have the freedom? to drop out, you see. And so he finds out that, of course, he doesn't. He tries to drop out, and you say, well, we talk about freedom, but when you see someone who's really free, it's, you know, it's, hey, wait wait a minute, hold on here. Yeah, this book, yeah, this this
0: series goes with Brave New World in 1980. Oh, absolutely. You know, the traps, the social... And
1: underneath it all, they talk about one thing, but underneath it all, when you actually do it, you find out that, in fact, it's not really true. And Mm -hmm. now he, he wakes up in the village. So once he begins to try and oppose the established order by dropping out, all of a sudden the established order looks quite different. Mm -hmm. It's not simply a nice, you know, know, benevolent, free society, but it's a place that says, wait a minute, no, you can't do that. Very thin veneer. Exactly.
0: (laughs) You you know, they're fine so long as you don't cross them.
1: Yes, exactly. Once you cross them, then Mm -hmm. you begin to find out things
0: are a little Mm -hmm. different. Pretty nasty. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, we've been finding out, uh, well... No, 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 no wringing of the hands uh, in any case. Uh, what else did I mark here in The Prisoner? I think, I think, I, I was wondering, do you suppose they would rerun that? Is it on DVD or can it be got?
1: Oh, yeah. It's you available know? on tape and DVD. Yeah. Yeah, at, it's very good. Check they have it a... out,
0: folks. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it would be interesting to see what school kids, you know, I think yeah. they would they would be hooked. Uh, you know, it's a pretty good, oh, what do we call that, Um not thriller, you know, but it... it holds oh, it keeps you there
1: all the way through the episodes. You know, it's really interesting about The Prisoners. The truths that it brings up are so archetypal mm-hmm. that they're even more true today than they were then.
0: Absolutely. And
1: a, there's, a, there's a chilling dialogue. I wish I could remember which episode it's in between number two and The Prisoner uh-huh. about the Cold War. And saying that, right. you know, when, when the day comes and the Cold War ends...
0: <laughs> and in Russia
1: and the United States figure out that they're mere examples of one another. <laughs> then we're going to create the world into a new world order, where the yes. village is going to be the entire world.
0: Oh. And, of course,
1: the, the, the end of the film, when the prisoner goes home and the door closes all by itself, mm-hmm. you realize that the message of the film is that you are the prisoner and that the world is the village. And... Uh, that's uh, I think one of the central themes of the movie. I don't want to spoil yeah. it for anybody, but it's no. a great film for people to read. You know, I it's, mean, it's, it's, it's a great film for people to see. It's definitely. fascinating.
0: I, I think uh, You mentioned Carl Jung's The Undiscovered Self in oh yes, yes in this, and then I'm thinking, here I was reading on the air the other day some of the things that were written by our founding fathers back in the beginning, you know, and uh, how the abridgment of freedom, you know, how it creeps up on us. Uh, Jefferson oh, yes. yeah, Jefferson said first it would come, um, well, he said the legislature would, you know, but eventually he said that the executive branch, the tyranny, mm-hmm. you know, this is because people are apathetic and lazy and, you, yeah. know, you know, too many people, what is it, you can fool too many people too much of the time, mm-hmm. so, you know, eventually... It isn't an evolution, it's devolution, Uh, you know, and democracy takes all your weeknights and people are just not interested. All Mm -hmm. they want to do is go play.
1: Right, Madison himself, he was the one who wrote the Bill of Rights. He said, I believe there are more instances of the abridgments of the freedoms of the people by Mm -hmm. the gradual and silent encroachments of those in power than by sudden and violent usurpations. And he, what he's saying, of course, is that, you know, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely, which Lord Acton, you know, stated half a century right. later. But uh, that that the executive branch is the dangerous branch because that's the one that wields the power. And that's why they have the oath of office to uphold, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States.
0: When it cons- the power concentrates in that one, you know, the, I think, well, the judicial branch doesn't seem to exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, a little bit, uh, you know, but I... Uh, I thought we were stuck at present, you know, with this imperial presidency, but that, of course, Congress would uh, pull itself together. In any case, let us not get going. Yeah, but I know. Today's <laughs> politics, it is just so, <laughs> it so is. maddening, so maddening. Oh, you know? I know. It, tie-
1: I, it, it very much ties into this yeah. book in the 60s, though, because... Oh,
0: you know, we're, we're going to run out of time. Oh, no. oh my God, See, we've only got so halfway through. Oh, go we ahead. We and pick no, no, up. No, I, no. No, okay, well, I will. go. Through, but I was just thinking, you know, I was thinking of all things... Uh, a movie called Bullworth by, uh, with Warren Beatty and Mary Baraka, Leroy Jones, comes in at the end and he says to the politician, he says, you can't be a ghost, you've got to be a spirit. And he said, when the spirit comes, it will descend in song. See, so what is essentially mm-hmm. the song of the 60s? Tell me. The song you know.
1: of the 60s is really the liberation of the individual from the confines or, or, or the, the overwhelming... Power of uh, society to mold you into an artificial person to fit into an artificial role
0: yeah that's tru- what you have
1: to do. You have to find yourself, and to find yourself, you have to break free from. and first of all, you 've got to identify. What is holding you back, and then you've got to break free from those forces that are trying to turn you into an artificial person.
0: Yeah, and it's the choice always of love over power. Yes, uh, it's uh, always yeah.
1: like Albrecht has to forswear love to dive down and steal the ring. You see, mm-hmm. you have to forswear power and uh, seek for love and genuineness.
0: The Eternal Feminine leads us on, as Goethe says. The book is The Spirit of Revolt. His name is James Clark. And you can get this book at www.regentpress.net. That's regentpress.net. And James has another book called The Mystic Gate, The Sacred Portal of the Mysteries. Just dial up regentpress at www.regentpress.net. And you can get all the information you need on both of his books. Oh, I'm so sorry we didn't get to Easy Rider and oh 2001! No, oh, no. No, we will talk again. This has been Jennifer Stone. Till next time, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can.
1: As the season changes, we remember our blessings. The spirit of the season is giving, and one of the gifts is service to the community. Provide the invaluable service of being a volunteer at this year's KPFA Crafts Fair. The Crafts Fair is a great place to browse righteous gifts and support craftspeople directly. Volunteers are needed December 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Concourse in San Francisco. A free shuttle is provided from BART to the Concourse.